It's the Brew Ha Ha Podcast. It's time for the Drive Brew Ha Ha with Herlinda. Cheers. The Drive Brew Ha Ha is brought to you by the Russian River Brewing Company. Russian River Brewing wants to welcome you back to their remodeled dog-friendly beer garden in Windsor. Enjoy a beautiful Sonoma County sunset, a game of cornhole, or just kick back with an ice-cold beer. The Windsor Pub is open Wednesday through Sunday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Stop by Russian River Brewing's 4th Street Pub in Santa Rosa for a cold beer and some tasty pizza. The Santa Rosa Pub is open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. for indoor and outdoor dining. Check out their website, RussianRiverBrewing.com, for, excuse me, for more information and follow them on social media for new release updates and other brewery news. And heads up, motorheads! Antron Brown's top fuel dragster will be on display at the Windsor Pub on Wednesday, July 20th. That's next week. Don't miss it. All right, Herlinda, different show today. Very important show. We have uh, usually have Don Winkle, craft beer attorney uh, here in Sonoma County on the show every year. I usually try to have him on at the beginning of the year or like in December to warn everybody about all the new laws. Everything from nonprofits to the breweries and tap rooms themselves, and also enjoyers, you know, before they go out there, so they don't, you know, mess around with the laws. But so we'll take we'll take Christmas in, in uh, July and uh, having you here, Don. How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm good. We're glad to see you. Okay. It's been a while. Welcome back to the Brewhaha. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. For those that don't know, Don Winkle handles like some of the best uh, craft breweries. Pretty much, I mean, in California. I don't know if you're doing stuff out of, outside of California as well. My practice is primarily California. California, yeah. yeah. So you know those laws very well. I try. Yeah. So what's like? I know there's there's a couple of new things going on. There is the the everybody has to take a server test now, right? For the ABC, for the ABC, the um, mandatory alcohol server trading law that went into effect July first, right? But, yep, that's correct. So that that's not. That's not a, a huge deal um, to actually do it. What it, does, it is, though, is it's added just kind of one more layer of procedures that um, uh, it, the people in the business have to follow and stay on top of. You know, and it, this is a highly regulated industry. Yes. So you add that on top of the uh, just the standard California employment laws, which are also you know, uh, difficult enough to um, follow. Especially in the restaurant business, okay. and, a, and a brew pub is a restaurant. Um, that um, it's just one more thing you have to follow. But that said, the ABC does have a pretty good uh, 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 some guidance on their on their website on what the requirements are. It's just one more thing that you have to kind of follow through and and uh, stay on top of um, for established. Um, Businesses that have HR departments and have, you know, uh, managers who are uh, on top of the situation and have procedures in place. It's just kind of one more deal. But for newer businesses, it's it can be a little bit overwhelming. It's just one more thing they have to deal with, and and also consider that sometimes the people that are actually doing the serving might be the principals in the business. (laughs) So it seems to be a little bit, you know, odd. Maybe it's good, though, I mean, that they know, you know, like, everybody at least will be on the same page. Like, I didn't know that law, or I didn't know that, but at least they'll be like, okay, we, we know this now. So. Well, of course, you know. and um, on, Is it CYOA, too, right? Well, there's that. But, I mean, it's, uh, the business has a lot. It, businesses in general these days have a lot of turnover. 
and it's it's best to have uh, training in place so people don't overserve and get everybody else in trouble and create a public so policy area. They go to the California State um, Alcohol and Beverage Control ABC yeah. site. They can find out. Hopefully, they can do that those tests online and make it easy for them. The the so site the has been harassment ones that are important as well. Exactly, and the site has been. The ABC has been putting quite a bit of effort into the site. It's actually a pretty good site now. Nice. Yeah. Good. Now they just serve beer then. Well, <laughs> uh, the ABC has been pretty flexible these days. Uh, it's, you know, in the face of the pandemic, uh, they um, really it the ABC has actually, you know, relaxed certain rules and we're allowing people to continue to operate in situations which for those of us who've been working with the ABC for a while was surprising. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the park I imagine parklets and the cocktails to go is a big one. Mm-hmm. And, and beer cocktails. And God to love go. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the SB uh, eight four six and um, the SB three eighty nine I know that Bill uh, Bill Dodd has actually been a big proponent mm-hmm. of that. That's what's helping keep keep those cocktails to go to be available. Our guest today is craft beer attorney Don Winkle. And Don, I've heard a lot of specializations in the legal field, but you are the first craft brewer attorney <laughs> that I've met. How does one find themselves in that field? Well, you first start with something that you really care about, and you start looking for a way to get into that. Or in reality... What you do is you happen to be in the right place at the right time, and you also have an interest in a topic, and that's literally how it occurred or happened to me. I'm a, a business transactional attorney with Spalding, McCullough, and Tansel here in Santa Rosa, and um, uh, an opportunity presented of itself for me to do some work in the craft beer industry. Um, I jumped on it because I do like the industry, and I like the product, I like the people in it, and... Um, and that just kind of started the whole process, and that was well over a decade ago at this point. And now it's at a point where it takes takes over quite a bit of my life. There's rarely a day goes by when I'm not doing something in the industry. Well, let's talk about what it is that you do. What does a craft beer attorney do? Well, I work a lot with distribution agreements, uh, mm-hmm. other forms of contracts that, that might be specific or unique to craft brewers. Um, I have quite a bit of background in in the rules and regulations related to operating um, a manufacturer of uh, of, of alcoholic beverages, um, and even leases and things of that nature that have some unique aspects of them uh, that are unique to the industry, um, and then partnership relationships and things of that nature. So I would imagine tasting the product would be an integral part of being a good craft beer attorney. It's, it's a key yeah. part of the whole process. And it's one of the things that makes it uh, – isn't just that, but the people in general in the industry are, for the most part, very enjoyable people. And the fact that they make such a great product and the fact that we're in a, this part of the country that it, it's uh, – we're lucky to be here and have – we're spoiled. When I go to other towns and cities, I'm a little spoiled on what we have here. Now, I don't want you to have to feel like you have to come down concrete on any side here, but name some of your favorites, particularly your styles of beer. What do you enjoy drinking in the craft beer field? Uh, first off, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's such an Goodness. attorney answer. Mm-hmm. But but I, I really enjoy lagers and pilsners. I'm I, right with you there. I really enjoy a great pale ale. I really enjoy... Uh, IPAs. My, I'm a little bit um, pro West Coast style IPA, mm-hmm, but 
every now and then I come across a, a hazy one that I, I quite like. And uh, every year I make it a point to participate or you know in the younger release and I and people always say is it worth the wait and I'm always saying it absolutely is worth the wait absolutely the experience and the beer the experience and the beer are worth the wait yeah it's I've I've never met anybody who was disappointed after spending eight hours in line it's a a rite of passage it's a rite of passage (laughs) absolutely or if just the beer nerd world it's a rite (laughs) of passage yeah people get pretty jealous when they they, think we get to do the release here in the studio the day before uh, yeah i get jealous yeah (laughs) i'm like hey yeah i've seen people like try to get in the studio before it's a good thing on the door locks right? yeah yes So, so i wanted to talk about some of the laws that people keep asking me about so you know there are if, if there's brewers and people listening, which I know Vinny listens every every uh, Thursday from Russian River, the the new SP that we were talking about for the to go cocktails, because also people that have been enjoying that 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 one of the only few aspects to enjoy during the pandemic was to go cocktails and beers. So what's going to be happening with that? So so the California Senate voted yes, but to, it sounds like there's some other there's another shoot a drop right well i have to admit other than enjoying cocktails to go that's a more of a well that's a retail um law issue and um my practice is primarily not in the retail aspect of it it's in wholesalers and um manufacturers yeah because i saw a lot of breweries actually posting um on their pages to 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 call their call their senators and their california state people and stuff to, uh, to ask them to vote yes on that which looks like they looks like a lot of them did well and because a lot of brewers enjoy a margarita to go <laughs> <laughs> one Good of the fun. things in the news lately that you would have some knowledge about would be the recent settlement regarding the distribution issue of craft beer correct yeah i mean um it's i'm not involved in those uh, lawsuits uh but um i did pay attention to it and read about it and you're you're talking about the reyes seismic right um, brouhaha. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, and so that was a really interesting case because it started out as a contract dispute, which is not uncommon between distributors and manufacturers, uh, brewers, but it worked its way into an antitrust lawsuit, and that is where it gets complicated. Is that the constitutional aspect you were talking to me about? Well, no, but there's a, a couple federal acts that were involved. That was another right. o- item we were talking about. But that was the, really cool. Yeah. The Clayton and the, the Sherman Act are both uh, federal acts that have to do with um, uh, anti-competition mm-hmm. uh, and uh, issues of that nature. And so to kind of step up to the plate, uh, see what's going on in the distribution world is a big consolidation. And Reyes is a major player in that whole thing. And so they're buying up so many distributors that competition is becoming non-existent in some places. So Reyes being a huge privately owned company, they don't have the scrutiny that a, that a public company would have. So you hear about these all the time when some public company wants to buy another and now they have to go through various regulatory inter, uh, in, uh, uh, agencies. That doesn't occur because this is a private uh, company. So the way it's going to get the issue is going to be forced is to someone to call foul and, and, and spend the money to do the lawsuit. Unfortunately, these are it's a highly specialized um, uh, practice of law 
very expensive, and they're going up against when some people say the ninth largest privately held company. So um, at some point, uh, they they decided that there was a settlement. So the um, Rez will continue to buy distributors. Wow. So it looked like because Seismic is owned by Christopher Jackson, mm-hmm. from <coughs> Jackson, who himself is a lawyer, and of course his father was a super well known yeah. lawyer, and they know their stuff with alcohol. Absolutely. I thought for sure with them coming up against the big guy that this actually might be the one that makes things change and they, and they have the money and the knowledge to like to to fight it but who knows it might still well it's they started it and we'll see where it goes and it's it may require a change at the legislative level mm-hmm. but what's you know some of the things we do know is that Reyes now owns probably 50% of the distribution rights in the state of California and so is that good for competition no question mark question mark question, question mark question mark, mark. yeah well, there used to be. I remember, you know, when I started like in the grocery business a long, long time ago, there were slotting fees and oh. pay to play, where people like brew, you know, any anything, not just breweries, but could, but 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 alcohol was like a big one. You know, all the big Budweiser signs and the mirror and the end cap, yeah, and the end caps. Yeah, and they could pay to play to be in eye level spots, and well, or they, you know, or they. Well, that's a great point because a lot of consumers don't realize that when you go into any market, I don't want to say any market, but most markets, especially national chains, that middle tier Mm -hmm. is money. I know. And and so how do you get your beer on the middle tier? You know, well, you know, if you're the largest distributor in the area, then you're likely to have some influence on what goes in the middle tier or or the end cap. And so from a competition standpoint, if, if you're not with that distributor, then the, the likelihood of you ending up on the middle tier of that national chain, not Slim. good. Yeah. What about with self-distribution? Like a hen house can sell, you know, sell, is, you know, one of the well-known ones in Moonlight Brewing. Um, and then like Stone was distributing like Russian River down south. Mm-hmm. And then now they get bought by Sapporo. So... I mean, how does that like change? I mean, like so. So another brewery can distribute another breweries, but I mean, what is the that, real difference that, with that with distribution? That, and that's not exactly true. For yeah. a, a brewery to distribute other brewers' mm-hmm. um, product, they have to actually have a brewer's license. I mean, excuse me, a, a wholesaler license. Okay. And so many um, many brewers' Type Twenty Three licenses also have a Type Seventeen license, which gives them the right to distribute. Now, as a matter of Right, uh, anyone who has a Type Twenty Three license, a manufacturer's license, they can self distribute. Uh, self distribute, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a you know a divine given right in this state, and it's not enjoyed in every state. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other states that have recently tried to change that law or put limitations on it, like in Utah, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Bible Belt runs a lot of times. Or- yeah, but it's it's um, it's really not so much a um, ideological thing. It's it's that the the other people who are in that competition area mm-hmm. don't want the brewers to have that essentially direct to consumer um, you know, capability. Wow. It's not really direct to consumer because you're not, you know, you're not. But you're you know it's it's sort of like that. You're you're, you're going out and you're, you're yeah exactly. Sorry. Yeah. Interesting. So what do you see new that's happened for 2022? Um, 
that some like like some of the bigger stuff that's happened. Well, since you, we haven't had to, been able to have you here in the last couple of years, anything new since what, what was that twenty twenty? That seems the like late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny because the alcohol law is so slow to change. But um, you know, uh, you know the the direct to consumer aspect of it is is a growing like like field. Dri- like drizzly like the, like the, the ones like for delivery and stuff as well. Well, just you know, being able to go online and order beer. And have it do, uh, ordered and sent directly to your house. Uh, that's uh, something that is a little bit dynamic right now, and um, and is likely uh, there's likely going to be some changes, not any time in the foreseeable future. But it's it's an area that that, that is going to uh, likely ex- you know we'll see where it's going to go. It's a bit fluid, as I said. We started uh, talking before <clears throat> the top of the hour break about the cocktails and beer to go changes talk a little bit more about those and the impact that they're going to have on the industry well you know like i said i I work primarily in craft beer and in wine and stuff so the cocktails to go that's it's a retail business thing so i can only really comment on the fact that it's just a nice thing to be able to go and you know bring home a margarita with your plate of uh tacos (laughs) (laughs) that is Especially so, if somebody's been working all day and they're like, ah, that's it. I'm, it's, I'm ready. It's, it's key. Yeah, they um, still have to get home and feed the feed the family, but yeah. it'd be nice to sit down with and have a have a nice cocktail too. Yes, just make sure you get home first. Yeah, yeah. and wait till you get home to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, the 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 road soda act of 2024. <laughs> now can like so now there's like Uber Eats and like Grubhub to go. Now can they deliver I alcohol? I don't think so. I've actually I, I'll admit it. I haven't delivered. I haven't had cocktails delivered to me. I've been pretty fortunate being able. You know, I can walk into the studio here and have a beer with Harry instead. It'd be way more fun. But um, I know a lot of people that they when they were stuck at home and kids, you know, doing online school and stuff that that really. We're really grateful for it. And then when I was doing the vaccine clinic, you know, we were, people were bringing us beer and all kinds of stuff. But it was kind of like the Wild West then. And we, it, it was. Yeah. And it, let's face it, in, enforcement in certain areas definitely was um, waning. <laughs> um, but I don't think that's so much the case now. But to say, like, the, the, the brewing community just, you know, was so impacted by the pandemic. But they were also the group that really stepped up. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they shifted from having, uh, from selling kegs that were going primarily to restaurants and bars that were now closed and in their own tap rooms to going into retail. So shifting to bottles and kegs, or excuse me, bottles and cans, they just pivoted. And then some of them even stepped up and were, were selling household products at their brewery yeah. and, and and made hand sanitizer or, or had had took the beer and let it get it sent it to a distiller or, and, we're, and we're doing uh you know um curbside service and things mm-hmm. of that nature and it was just a pivot to what do we need to keep people moving through this thing and it was pretty impressive yeah no i i stood i did i did go and stand in a couple of six feet across lines like at a, like at a hen house in cooperage to to pick up beer during the worst of things but yeah. thank god that they were able to do that yep. so what else do you like like okay so if somebody's wanting to start a brewery a uh, they probably should talk to you or or, or another somebody you know yep. in the law that knows what they're doing another craft beer attorney craft beer yep. attorney um, i do know some other ones as well too but i don't know anybody in sonoma county that does this um 
and also I tell people look at insurance and also look at succession plans things like that like you know we see as breweries sell sometimes it's because they didn't have a succession plan in place well I mean you know if you really if you're if you're a startup then you know um, the first thing you'd really have to do is just I would say is talk to other people who have actually been down the road and then once you kind of have an idea of where you land in that zone then when you you know eventually you're going to want to talk to someone like me and uh not so much the licensing aspects because while i do that on a routine basis that's really not the hard part the hardest part is getting your site getting your equipment getting a good lease and then and then ramping up to actually going and having the capital to go into production and keep in production for a while and uh, the key factors are are um you know, with your facility is water. Where are you going to get it, and what are you going to do with it when you're done? Mm-hmm. And then other aspects of the other materials that you're going to use. Um, what are you going to do with that? That isn't so much, or that's a little bit easier to deal with than water. Use a lot of takes a lot of water. Yeah, I remember when Lagunitas was having to ship their their wastewater to and in trucks to the trucks to Oakland, yep. and then they finally got their own EcoVolt Cambrian, uh, like Russian River has as well, to convert the wastewater into usable kind of you know potable non-potable water but to clean kegs and well and the other and and the other aspect of that is there's you tend to uh not look at leases at the degree of scrutiny that you should but you have to think of that as a a very very serious contract that's going to list that's going to live on for five years or ten years stuck if if it doesn't and then also your other supply agreements are more important than the form that the salesperson is going to put in front of you like if you're bought because you're going to need um, certain gases Mm -hmm. and um, those are those aren't made by mom and pops Mm -hmm. organizations so uh, the supply agreements that are related to those are key to your success and there and there's something that needs to be looked at carefully and that it's something that's easy to just blow off when you're trying to go through all the processes of, of starting any and you're business. all excited you're all thinking i mean i've seen these guys like, i've got a cool i've got a good recipe i've got a cool name we're gonna do these t-shirts we're gonna do this but i'm like yeah you know like you, you need to like like look at the laws get some good insurance uh get a succession plan in place <laughs> yeah, getting some good T-shirts. That'd be good. Too. Yeah, t- yeah. V-necks, guys, please. Stickers. V-necks. Tara Nara and I want women's V-necks. And stickers. <laughs> and stickers. stickers. Asked, that is true. You, you may have alluded to this, but I'm curious, in, in the years of dealing with the craft beer industry, what's the number one mistake or problem mm, that question. you've had to deal with with these companies that they weren't handling well? Partnership um, things. Not necessarily bad, but um, potentially um, challenging, and uh, it's and it's something that in the beginning of the marriage, it's really easy to everyone's getting along and it's great. But sometimes marriages don't work out, and uh, if you if you work out, and I say if you pre decide all the kind of potential issues up front, then if when and if they occur, you've already decided how you're going to handle that. And um, and you just go to the agreement and say, this is what we decided that we were going to do in this case. And so when I get involved in a startup, whether it's a brewing company or otherwise, it's the most important thing that I deal with. And I'd say it's the number one issue that it creates problems for almost any business. 
Makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I've seen some some ugly dissolves. Breakups. <laughs> Breakups, well, yeah. And then, um, and I have to come back to it, the lease. Okay. Leases are draconian documents, and they need to be gone into carefully. And so in some cases, you may not have a lot of choices if you don't have the leverage over the landlord, but at least you know what's going on. And uh, generally, leases are uh, combined with personal guarantees. So even though you've formed your LLC and everything's all good, there's probably a personal guarantee that's going to put the principles of that business on the hook. And that's a, a big issue, especially in economic challenging times when things might not go as as planned so how often does somebody need to like tune up their their business go see an attorney talk to their cpa all those kind of things how often should they do that i don't think there's a real like fine line answer on that but um it is important to establish a quality relationship with a number of professionals and just maintain and when in doubt you know make a call you know whether it's an attorney or, or cpa or other people who are, um, you know, other professionals. Words of wisdom from craft beer attorney Don Winkle. Don, thank you for joining us thank on you. the Bruhaha. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. We need to have you in much more often, please. Please do. And, and let's, you know, bring some of your clients' beer. We don't have to announce yes, them on you air, but bring we want beer. to them. <laughs> beer must be brought to the Bruhaha. You guys used to have the beer here. <laughs> we have a stash yes. that we pull out in emergencies. Yes. What's up next week, Erlinda? Uh, we have outside lands. Uh, you know, Dave McLean from, Mag- well, formerly of Magnolia, Admiral Maltine, um, he still curates the beer lands list at outside lands, the big festival, uh, music festival in uh, Golden Gate Park. So our annual, he makes the annual pilgrimage up here, and then we usually go get a beer at Russian River or something afterwards. You know, good time. So I'm sure you know Dave. Admiral Maltine's probably, I mean, that's where all the California, yeah, that's yeah. where they're going now. All right, that's next week.